Hi, this is Dave, and you're listening to Reading with My Brothers. Hello, brother. As you can hear, I'm not in the best voice at the moment. I'm getting over some illness, and uh, let's just say it won't sound very pleasing uh, this week if I go on too long. So we got a short one for you this time. We're only doing one section. This is section 21 of uh, chapter 4 of The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. This section is, uh, a godly man is a man who does spiritual things in a spiritual manner. And there is enough here for us to uh, meditate on this week. So let's get into it. Section 21. A godly man does spiritual things in a spiritual manner. Quote, we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit. Philippians 3.3. Spiritual worship is pure worship. Quote, you are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter 2.5. Spiritual not only in the matter, but also in the quality. A wicked man either lives in the total neglect of duty or else discharges it in a dull, careless manner. Instead of using the world as if he used it not, 1 Corinthians 7.31, he serves God as if he did not serve him. A godly man spiritualizes duty. He is not only for the doing of holy things, but for the holy doing of things. Question. What is it to perform spiritual duties spiritually? Answer. It consists in two things. One, to do duties from a spiritual principle. Namely, a renewed principle of grace. A man may have gifts which attract admiration. He may have the most melting, ravishing expressions. He may speak like an angel come down from heaven. Yet, his duties may not be spiritual because he lacks the grace of the Spirit. Whatever a moral, unregenerate person does is only nature refined. Though he may do duties better than a godly man, yet not so well. Better as to the matter and elegance, yet not so well as lacking a renewed principle. A crab tree may bear as well as a pippin. The fruit may be big and lovelier to the eye, yet it is not such good fruit as the other, because it does not come from so good a stock. So an unregenerate person may perform as many duties as a child of God, and these may seem to be more glorious toward the outward view, but they are harsh and sour, because they do not come from the sweet and pleasant root of grace. A true saint gives God that wine which comes from the pure grape of the Spirit. Number two, to perform duties spiritually is to do them with the utmost intention. A Christian is very serious and strives to keep his thoughts close to the work in hand. Quote, yet that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. 1 Corinthians 7.35 Question, but may not a godly man have roving thoughts and duty? Answer, yes, sad experience proves it. The thoughts will be dancing up and down in prayer. The saints are called stars, and many times in duty they are wandering stars. The heart is like quicksilver, which will not settle. It's hard to tie two good thoughts together. We cannot lock our hearts so close, but that distracting thoughts like wind will get in. Jerome complains about himself. Sometimes, he says, when I am doing God's service, I am walking in the galleries or casting up accounts. But these wandering thoughts in the godly are not allowed. Quote, I hate vain thoughts. Psalm 119.113 They come like unwelcome guests who are no sooner spied than they are turned out. Question. From where do these wandering thoughts arise in the godly? Answer 1. 
from the depravity of nature. They are the mud which the heart casts up. Answer two, from Satan. The devil, when he cannot hinder us from duty, will hinder us in duty. When we come before the Lord, he is at our right hand to resist us. Zechariah 3.1 Like when a man is going to write, and another stands at his elbow and jogs him so that he cannot write evenly. Satan will set vain objects before the fancy to cause a diversion. The devil does not oppose formality but fervency. If he sees that we are setting ourselves in good earnest to seek God, he will be whispering things in our ears so that we can scarcely attend what we are doing. Answer 3. These wandering thoughts arise from the world. These vermin are bred out of the earth. Worldly business often crowds into our duties, and while we are speaking to God, our hearts are talking with the world. Quote, they sit before me as my people, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Ezekiel thirty-three thirty-one. While we are hearing the word or meditating, some worldly business or other commonly knocks at the door, and we are called away from the duty while we are doing it. It is the same with us as it is with Abraham when he was going to worship. The birds came down on the sacrifice. Genesis fifteen eleven. Question. So how may we get rid of these wandering thoughts so that we may be more spiritual in duty? Answer 1. Fix your eyes on God's purity. He whom we serve is a holy God, and when we are worshiping him, he, he cannot tolerate our conversing with vanity. While a king's subject is speaking to him, will he like him to be playing with a feather? Will God endure light, feathery hearts? How devout and reverent the angels are. They cover their faces and cry, Holy, Holy. Answer number two. Think of the grand importance of the duties we are engaged in. As David said concerning his buildings, a house of God, the work is great. First Chronicles 29.1 When we are hearing the word, the work is great. This is the word by which we shall be judged. When we are at prayer, the work is great. We are pleading for the life of our souls. And is this a time to trifle? Answer number three. Come with affection to duty. The nature of love is to fix the mind upon the object. The thoughts of a man who is in love are on the person he loves, and nothing can distract him. The thoughts of a man who loves the world are always intent upon it. If our hearts were more fired with love, they would be more fixed in duty, and oh, what cause we have to love duty. Is not this the direct road to heaven? Do we not meet with God here? Can the spouse be better than in her husband's company? Where can the soul be better than in drawing near to God? Answer 4. Consider the mischief that these vain, distracting thoughts do. They fly below our duties. They hinder fervency. They show greater reverence. They tempt God to turn his ear away from us. Why do we think God should heed our prayers when we ourselves scarcely heed them? Number 3. To do duties spiritually is to do them in faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a better sacrifice than Cain. Hebrews 11.4 the holy oil for the tabernacle had several spices put into it. Exodus thirty thirty one. Faith is the sweet spice which must be put into duty. It is a wrong done to God to doubt either his mercy or his truth. A Christian may venture his soul upon the public faith of heaven. Use 1. How far from godliness are those who, uns- who are unspiritual in their worship, who do not do duties from a renewed principle and with the utmost intention of soul, but merely to stop the mouth of conscience? Many people look no further than the bare doing of duties and never heed how they are done. God does not judge our duties by length, but by love. When men put God off with the dreggish part of duty, 
May he not say, like Isaiah, is it such a fast that I have chosen? Isaiah 58, 5. Are these the duties I required? I call for the heart and spirit, and you bring nothing but the carcass of duty. Should I receive comfort in this? Use number two. Let us show ourselves godly by being more spiritual in duty. It is not the quantity, but the quality. It is not how much we do, but how well. A musician is commended, commended not for playing long, but for playing well. We must not only do what God appoints, but as God appoints. Oh, how many are unspiritual in spiritual things. They bring their services, but not their hearts. They give God the skin, but not the fat of the offering. God is a spirit, John 4.24, and is the spirituality of duty he is best pleased with. Spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God, 1 Peter 2.5. The spirits of the wine are the best. So is the spiritual part of duty. Quote, making melody in your heart to the Lord, Ephesians 5.19. It is the heart that makes the music. The spiritualizing of duty gives life to it. Without this, it is dead praying, dead hearing, and dead things are not pleasing. A dead flower has no beauty. A dead breast has no sweetness. Question. What may we do to perform duties in a spiritual manner? Answer 1. Let the soul be kept pure. Lust besots and dispirits a man. Beware any tincture of uncleanness. James one twenty one. Wood that is full of sap will not easily burn, and a heart that is steeped in sin is not fit to burn in holy devotion. Could he who feeds carnal lust be spiritual in worship? Quote, Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Hosea 4.11 Any sin lived in takes away the heart. Such a person has no heart to pray or meditate. The more alive the heart is in sin, the more it dies to duty. Answer 2. If we wish to be spiritual in duty, let us revolve these two things in our mind. First, the profit which comes from a duty performed in a spiritual manner. It enfeebles corruption. It increases grace. It defeats Satan. It strengthens our communion with God. It breeds peace of conscience. It procures answers of mercy, and it leaves the heart always in better tune. And second, the danger of doing duties in an unspiritual manner. They are as if they had not been done. For what the heart does not do is not done. Duties carelessly performed turn ordinances into judgments. Therefore many, though they are often doing duty, go away worse from duty. If medicine is not well made and the ingredients rightly mixed, it is as bad as poison for the body. So if duties are not well performed, they leave the heart harder and more sinful than before. Unspiritual duties often create temporal judgments. The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for we sought him not after the due order. 1 Chronicles 15.3 Therefore God makes breaches in families and relationships because people do not worship him in the manner and due order which he requires. Answer 3 if we want to have our duties spiritual, we must get our hearts spiritual. An earthly heart cannot be spiritual in duty. Let us beg from God a spiritual palate to relish a sweetness in holy things. For lack of spiritual hearts, we come to duty without delight and go away without profit. If a man wants to have the wheels of his watch move regularly, he must mend the spring. Christian, if you want to move spiritually in duty, get the spring of your heart mended. So there you are. Godly man does spiritual things in a spiritual way. Short but punchy. And it gives us enough to think about, I think, today. Are we pursuing God and doing the duties of discipleship in a spiritual way or in a fleshly way? 
Not simply are we doing them in our own strength, but as we do them, where is our heart? Like so much of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, his focus was as much on the state of the heart as it was on the deeds of the hands. And I think it is good for us to have that same focus when we examine ourselves and where we're at as disciples. Two quotes stuck out at me in this reading. The first one was where it says, God does not judge our duties by length, but by love. It, that also recalls the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said that the uh, Pharisees and the Gentiles stack up many prayers, meaningless words, doing it as a public show, but their hearts are not in it. And that rather we should pray in secret, pray earnestly so that we may honor our Father. In the same way, I think this applies to all of our duties. And especially, uh, I think it's a good warning for those of us who serve within the church and are doing our duties more publicly, that we be careful that this doesn't simply become rote and routine, but is instead an act of true spiritual worship. And at the very end, the last use, the last warning or suggestion was that we check our hearts, that we ask God to strengthen or to rewind the the spring, the clock spring in our hearts so that our duties are done out of love and not simply out of obligation or pride or any other reason. So I hope that would be a challenge to you, brother, as it is to me in my prayers, in my daily activities, my Bible reading, my leading a family worship, my simple acts of obedience and devotion to the Lord, that my goal would not be simply to check the box, complete the uh, task list, and satisfy my conscience that I've done my duty, but rather that it would be driven by a love of God, a sincere love of God, and desire to commune with Him, to seek His face, to reflect His glory and to honor his name. So let's pray. Lord God, give us hearts that desire to know you, that desire to obey and do our duty, not simply out of obligation or conscience or habit or expectations of others, but out of a sincere heart seeking to do spiritual things in a spiritual way. I pray that you would protect us against the schemes of the enemy who would try to sow tears in the field of our duty, who would seek to distract us and pull us away from those things that are most important. I pray you would give us a godly focus, uh, minds that are tuned to your voice, to seek your face, and not to be distracted by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Lord, guard us as we go out, guard us as we work, as we love our families, as we love your church, And as we seek to proclaim the good news to the world, help us to be men who do our duties well out of spiritual love for God and not rote uh, habit or tradition or obligation. None of this can be done in our strength. None of this can be done in our flesh. It is all from your hand by the power of your spirit who makes us alive in Christ Jesus. And so it is to you we look for the strength and the love and the devotion and the faith that we need to do this well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, brother.